are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Dolphins, Tuesday, September 8th. I am Kyle Krabs, your host. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. And we got to talk about the depth chart that dropped yesterday. We got to talk about wide receiver Lim Bowden Jr. being traded to the Miami Dolphins over the course of the weekend. That is where I want to keep the focus today. Tuesdays are traditionally power to the pod days, a day in which I hand the show over to you, the listeners. We discuss the most pressing topics at hand for you. But with so much happening right now in the buildup, to the kickoff to the 2020 season. We are deferring power to the pod till later in the week, probably Thursday. I'll also have a crossover on Thursday with Mike DeBate from Locked On Patriots to talk about the dynamics of these two teams. But right now, here and now, the most pressing issues for the Dolphins, we dropped our first depth chart. There's plenty of reactions to be had there. And when this Lynn Bowden trade when the news dropped over the course of the weekend, I had a lot of thoughts there as well. So that's where we want to actually spend our Tuesday instead of power to the pot. So with that in mind, let's dig in first and foremost with the depth chart for the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins revealed their initial 2020 depth chart on Monday evening. And it didn't feature too many surprises for Dolphins fans who have been plugged into the team throughout the course of training camp. The starting offensive line has been listed, and it features two rookies for the Dolphins, including Austin Jackson at left tackle, Solomon Kinley at right guard. The other starters on the line, Eric Flowers at left guard, center Ted Karras, and right tackle Jesse Davis. One surprise position for a starter was Durham Smythe being listed as the starting tight end over Mike Gusecki. But we shouldn't read too much into that as Brian Flores cautioned the South Florida media during Tuesday morning's press availability. The Dolphins and their depth chart were released in traditional 21 personnel, a personnel grouping Dolphins fans should expect to see very little of in Chang Gailey's spread offense. From a traditional standpoint, yes, Durham Smythe is probably a more effective hand-in-the-dirt wide tight end playing in line when the Dolphins go in I formation. But that's the thing. The Dolphins aren't going to be running I formation, at least not with a whole lot of consistency, not versus the three wide receiver sets and the horizontal spread and spacing concepts that we should come to expect from Chan Gailey's offensive playbook. Brian Flores, the most telling thing is Brian Flores himself telling the media it's week one. Don't read too much into the depth chart. We are obligated to give a depth chart. And yes, it would have been very easy for the Dolphins to release a depth chart that had Mike Kosecki at tight end one. But we're releasing a 21 personnel depth chart for a team that's not going to run 21 personnel. This is the gamesmanship that comes with the preparations, especially in week one, especially this season, right? Where there's no barometer, there's no gauge of what the other team is is even thinking about doing. You can connect the dots based on the coaches and the personnel that they have, but you don't really get a full grasp of exactly what it's going to look like. A good example of this is week one last year. 
when the Dolphins played and hosted the Baltimore Ravens and gave up nearly 60 points in that contest. In that contest, Baltimore, you knew was going to come out with Lamar Jackson's starting quarterback. You knew that they had been crowdsourcing from college coaches how to implement more college-spread passing concepts into their offense, and yet the Dolphins were completely blindsided by it, in part because of Baltimore and their coaching and, and how they were able to package their personnel groups with the concepts that they were putting in play. That's what the Dolphins are hoping to accomplish here. So by giving a starting group personnel grouping that is not a correlation to what the Dolphins are going to run with the majority of their offense, this is the cat and mouse game that you get. This is the natural byproduct there. And I am, first and foremost, very much here for the gamesmanship between Brian Flores and Bill Belichick. You have to think his experience around this organization, around Coach Belichick, around Coach Josh McDaniels, around so much of the personnel, the staple personnel that the Patriots still have, the Dolphins will have a reasonable feel for what to expect in week one. The Dolphins are hoping, because they have brought in sources from outside this Patriots bubble, that perhaps they can get a little bit of an advantage here early in the season, and that's why we're giving away a depth chart that might raise some eyebrows, but not really when you actually stop and ask yourself, what are the Dolphins going to play? And now that I've told you all the reasons why you shouldn't care about the Dolphins' offensive depth chart, let me talk to you about how excited I am about the Dolphins' defensive depth chart. Their base package, a 3-4, which, not super surprising, especially when you consider Devon Godchow. Okay, he's not great as a true nose. You got Raekwon Davis, who's 330 pounds these days, tipping the scale uh, as another guy to play in the A-gaps. And the Dolphins, Emmanuel Agba, Christian Wilkins, listed as your starting base 3-4 defensive ends. Shaq Lawson, Kyle Van Noy, your outside linebackers. Elan and Roberts, Jerome Baker, your two stack off-ball linebackers. Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe, safeties up the middle. Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, lockdown corner duo, and Igbo as our preferred designated nickel defensive back. Um, really like the potential of this grouping, including if you stay in base defense. The Dolphins won't stay in base a ton, but to get Agba and Wilkins in your B-gaps and have Lawson as a stand-up guy, I didn't know if the Dolphins were going to take that route. Didn't know if maybe we were going to go four-man or four-three under look and have Van Ginkle stand up or Van Noy stand up and be the play-side guy. But if we're going to go true three-four defensive looks, I think you can run gap penetration style instead of traditional two gaps, right? There's gap control and then there's gap penetration. Dolphins personnel, in my eye, is better suited for gap penetration versus gap control. Uh, and what I mean by that is the mentality of the defensive lineman. You can either get into a singular gap and occupy that space and be accountable for any action that comes into that gap. Or you can stack up offensive linemen and you can read and understand, I'm going to have to control the gap that's adjacent to me on either side of the line of scrimmage. So if they come to my right, I'm going to have to shed, cross his face, get off to my right. If they're going to come to my left, i got to stack, shed, get off the block, cross his face to my left. 
But when you go single gap, you think about the the linear explosiveness of these guys. And that was something we talked about on both sides of the line of scrimmage for the Dolphins. A test that moved the needle when you look at the athletic testing and composition of this team. Lower body explosiveness. Linear burst in short spaces. And power. And density. Guys that are explosive is like Christian Wilkins and Agba. Firing straight ahead into a gap when they're as big as they are You get heels deep in the backfield, and you find the football. Dolphins don't have a true plug anymore as an interior linebacker. Elan and Roberts, Jerome Baker. I'm putting Roberts on the front side of the play. I'm trying to put Baker on the weak side, technically be a will, but still in a stack position. Van Noy, chess piece, he can move play side you can stack him on the line of scrimmage you can stack him off the ball you can put him directly over top of tight ends and have him collision Lawson will be he's designated as a linebacker but he's going to play forward so I would anticipate whether he's on the play side or the back side depending on what formations you come out how many tight ends whatever I would anticipate Lawson's not going to be a guy that gets drops your three guys that are going to play in space in the line of the four linebackers are Roberts, Baker, Van Noy, and Kimmer Gruger Hill when he's rotated in. Shaq Lawson, don't expect to see him in zone coverage. But seeing the layout in a 3-4 base defense, I, I like what we have at our disposal here. I think this is going to work well for the Dolphins, and I think this has a chance to be a top half of the NFL defense when you take the base personnel and then you translate it forward into sub-packages. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the past 20 years. So whether you're looking for engine control modules, new carpet, brake parts, taillights, motor oil for your classic or your daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog. In just a few clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door, and best of all, prices at rockauto.com are the same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for all the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs, and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Let's talk about this trade that happened over the weekend. Um, There's a lot to get into with the Lynn Bowden trade, how he fits with the Dolphins, what it says about the Dolphins' continued strategy. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is the Dolphins' approach to addressing talent. The same criticisms that were pointed at Chris Greer for how he chose to handle the Josh Rosen situation. This is a similar case of a player that was available for a price that the Dolphins felt was appropriate and they liked. And they struck. And and this is a bet. This is a gamble just as much as what the Josh Rosen deal was. The only difference is it was a lesser pick that was traded. It was a four instead of a two. 
granted a, a early four, probably what would be an early four, because they sent the same pick the Raiders had back to the Raiders ahead of the Raekwon McMillan deal for a wide receiver slash running back slash gadget player instead of a late two, effectively a three for a quarterback. There's no room for fear in the game of football, in any phase of the game of football. You can't play scared, you can't coach scared. You know, they say when, you, when you're hurt, you play timid, that's when you actually get hurt. When you coach scared, you end up coaching like Joe Philbin in crunch time and giving away football games. Teams let their foot off the gas. They try and milk the clock way too early. They get away from what's working and they're having success with. You can't build a team scared either. And Chris Greer is continuing to prove that if he finds values that he feels are economically sound, and appropriate uses of the assets that the Dolphins are pooling together, he's going to take those risks. So what was interesting is so many of the the people looking at Chris Greer's resume before he fully took over the job said, oh, well, you know, he didn't really swing for the fences. He, He took what were perceived to be solid football players Minka Fitzpatrick, Charles Harris, hitting singles and doubles instead of triples and home runs, right? Not swinging for the fences. But I think that the more accurate way to describe Chris Greer's approach to the draft based off what we've seen thus far in the last 18 months is they covet value. Again, it's that proposition of two separate halves of the draft. First two days... You want as much volume as you can possibly get. You're expecting to land starting football players. Anything after that, they're poker chips. They're lottery tickets. They're scratch-offs. And you can choose to bet them however you want. You can choose to spend them however you want. You can wheel and deal. You can flip them up and down and trade them for picks and trade picks for players and so on and so forth. But if the, if the Dolphins feel as though the value is good, they're going to be in on these kinds of players. And I think that's... Lynn Bowden was drafted 80th overall in the 2020 NFL Draft. He played wide receiver for Kentucky in 2018. He played option quarterback for the team in 2019. And the Raiders were trying to convert him to running back. Well, wasn't going so hot. He didn't have a great camp. There were some concerns about distractions. In Las Vegas, Raiders take their losses. Mike Mayock took that one on the chin, by the way. He said it was a football decision. The continued positional changes was a lot to ask in a COVID year. They were taking it on the nose. They saw an opportunity to recoup some losses, and they moved him for a four. It's a four and a six. So if you look at this deal, the Dolphins clearly liked Lynn Bowden. And now you're getting him at a a discount. It's a top 100 pick that you're getting effectively for free this year. Or you can choose to look at this deal and say, okay, the Dolphins were not going to retain Raekwon McMillan. Or if they were, they were going to lowball him and he was probably going to leave anyway. So we trade Raekwon McMillan and a five for Lynn Bowden and a six. Seems like perfectly reasonable value. And I, I seem to remember people that were all f- distraught about the value trade value of what we got. 
for Raekwon. Well, now, okay, you got an extra draft pick. You got an extra top 100 draft pick now. Lynn Bowden Jr., wide receiver. Expect risks from Chris Greer as your general manager. And as Brian Flores says, show me a team that hits on every investment, and I'll, I'll applaud that team. He said that last week. It doesn't happen. You're going to have hits and misses. So the question is, when do you take on the risk? Dolphins, trading for Josh Rosen was a risk. Trading Laramie Tunsil away was a risk. But at the same time, trading Laramie Tunsil for two ones and a two is undeniable economic value win for the Dolphins. Getting a top 10 pick at quarterback after one year in a bad situation for the 62nd overall pick in the draft and a financial obligation that is considerably less at the premium position in football in a year in which you're rebuilding and your opportunity cost is if you hit, you can skip on drafting a quarterback and continue rebuilding your roster without having to prioritize we need to do anything and everything we can to get a quarterback. That's an economic win for the Dolphins. Bowden getting a top 100 pick for a fourth round pick or slash for a player in Raekwon McMillan who you are not going to retain and keep. It's a risk for the Dolphins, but it's also an economic win for the Dolphins. So the Dolphins have always been a team that makes splash moves, but they haven't been smart about it. They've been dumb with money under Mike Tannenbaum. They've been reckless. Think about some of the trades this team has made, the Deion Jordan nonsense, right? The trade back in 2016, which we talked about yesterday, talking about Rosen and and if Rosen is an all-time gaffe for the Dolphins. It's not even one of the three worst draft day trades for the Dolphins this decade. The Dolphins haven't been smart. The Dolphins are at least finding economic value in taking their risks, understanding that every personnel move there is incurred risk to take. Every single one. So that's why you take a volume approach, which we've seen the Dolphins take in the last 18 months. Because if everything is a 50-50 proposition, one team's got 20 swings of the bat, and the other team's got 10 swings of the bat, and it's all 50-50, law of averages says what? The team with 20 is probably going to finish with twice as many hits as the team that's got 10. How does Lynn Bowden Jr. fit the Dolphins specifically? I like the fact that we're going to put him back at wide receiver. I think it gives him an opportunity to not have to think so much. Obviously, he was pressed into playing option quarterback for Kentucky last year out of necessity. He's a natural playmaker with the ball in his hands. But you put him at running back, and now he's got to process pass protection. He's got to process his timing and his footwork's pressing in the get. Like, that's a mess. That's a lot to worry about. So for the Dolphins, don't expect to see a lot of him early on. But he can be that kind of guy in the slot who's explosive, He can make wins happen with the ball in his hand. He's tough. He's fearless. He's got a lot of dog in him. And there were some questions about his attitude, uh, if you will. He, He had a really rough family upbringing. And he got thrust kind of into the spotlight for ahead of Kentucky's bowl game. 
there's a big fight in the pregame and like he was at the center of it and people kind of got turned off to to him questioning oh you know like is is he is his head screwed on straight is he gonna be a problem is he gonna be a hothead is he gonna get in trouble whatever I don't know Lynn personally so I'm it's I actually had somebody ask me, you know, you, you didn't list any red flags for him. How come there were attitude perception problems? I don't know, Lynn. And I take it seriously for my work for the Draft Network. Like, if I'm going to put a, a red flag on somebody for character, there either needs to be, like, tangible evidence and tangible documentation of, like, yeah, there's been a, a string and history of legal trouble here. Like Antonio Callaway, right? Like... Antonio Callaway had multiple failed drug tests. Antonio Callaway was involved in a credit fraud scheme at the University of Florida. He was investigated for sexual assault. He was eventually uh, cleared of any wrongdoing in that specific situation, and now he's had two failed drug tests at the NFL level. So yes, I would say Antonio Callaway has a quote-unquote character red flag if I was evaluating him as a player. Lynn Bowden, he got in a fight in the pregame, and he had a rough, bark, a rough upbringing. There are lots of dudes in the NFL who had rough upbringings. That doesn't mean you are a red flag. I will not say Lynn Bowden is potentially a red flag. I know that it's alarming to read some of the concerns that the athletic Victor Furr uh, reported on as far as why he was available to be traded, uh, the concerns that he was a little too wrapped up in the Las Vegas nightlife and lifestyle, and that kind of extrapolated the Raiders' willingness to trade him. Uh, this came from the Athletics' Vic Tafur. Bowden really struggled at training camp. That can't be the whole story, and it isn't. Some of the team facility thought the rookie was more concerned with picking up new cars than the playbook, and on the field, Bowden looked measured and non-explosive. On top of a lack of breakaway speed, he was always getting blasted when it was his turn to pass block. Okay, so we've already talked about the dynamics of like the position transfer, and like I'm not worried about that part. There were some growing concerns that Bone was getting more and more distracted in Las Vegas, and that he might be another influence on the an influence on the other rookies like Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett. So if that part's true, then yeah, Miami's gonna have to keep an eye on him, and they're gonna have the coaching staff's gonna have their work cut out for him to mentor him. But this is a win for the Dolphins in that he's playing. He's back to playing his natural position at playing wide receiver. And he's going to have opportunities in this offense with the spacing that they have to have a lot of room to work. They'll probably work him in the slot. He'll work underneath, probably a lot of drag patterns. He'll probably get a lot of action in between the hashes because he's fearless and he's tough. And you're going to have those opportunities underneath to kind of turn it into a punt return right or a punt return left, depending on where he's aligning up. Get If you get him the ball quick, you can manufacture some, some cheap touches. He can kind of be like Malcolm Perry's a gadgety type player. Lynn Bowden is a bigger, more explosive gadgety type player, kind of cut from that same cloth. So you think about, you forecast this forward. If Lynn Bowden's a hit, great. If Lim Bowden, you know, he struggles to get his feet underneath him and the Dolphins want to continue to invest in this type of player, you start thinking, okay, who might be the pieces down the road, like Jalen Waddell, perhaps, Rondale Moore from Purdue, perhaps. Those are the kinds of, you know, you start projecting this forward and seeing the Dolphins have a clear role for this kind of player. 
him, Malcolm Perry, expect to see some overlap between those two guys. But just the biggest takeaway I want Dolphins fans to have from listening to this podcast, this trade's a risk. This deal is a risk for the Dolphins. But the opportunity to secure a player that they clearly coveted, who is a top 100 pick, who has not stepped on an NFL field yet, for the assets that they hauled for trading Raekwon McMillan as a player who they were not going to bring back, that is an economic win for the Dolphins. You go from an expiring contract at linebacker who's going to play 40% of your snaps to a player who's on a rookie contract and is under team control for four years as a top 100 pick that you like before the draft. Think of these deals not just as we gave X for Y. Look at the whole picture and realize this is an, economically speaking, the Lynn Bowden trade is a massive dub for the Dolphins. How they acquired the assets, what assets they gave back, and what the perception was and what the control is of the player. Risk, yes. Win for Miami on the surface level on the front end of it, also yes. And if it doesn't work out, it was an economic decision, so it's not like we were dumb with our assets to begin with. And those are wins. We got a couple more shows left this week. As I said, Power to the Pod, we got a crossover with Locked On Patriots. We got a matchup show for Friday, talking about week one. Tomorrow, we got to go through the schedule. We got the 53 man roster. I got to do a revised 16 game prediction for the 2020 Miami Dolphins. So hit subscribe. Come on back. See us again. Kyle Krabs. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening.